Today we start off our season of Advent with a little bit of a maelstrom of messages. We have today's theme of the first Sunday of Advent on which our wait begins. The overarching theme of this Advent season coming from worship materials that will be shared by other Mennonite churches nationwide, asking God, what are you waiting for? God's reply often being the same question. And finally, today we have the suggested theme of frustration, recognizing that Advent as a time of waiting, insofar as we are waiting for something we want, we are also going to be frustrated. So to tie all of that together, I thought I'd talk about one of the things we least like to talk about in church when it comes to the Christmas season, and that is all the presents, the gift giving. You know why we don't like to talk about it? Because it frustrates the children. They know what they're looking forward to. They know what they want. So as we ask ourselves what we're waiting for, ask God what this world is waiting for, it is also important for us to take some time to think about how we're waiting for it. How does our anticipation play into our frustration? And we have a lot to learn, I think, from the slack-jawed children. Romans 13 reminds us, you know what time it is. The night is far gone and the day is near. Romans 13 reminds us that it is dawn, that hour of grayness, when you can see the light coming And maybe the light can help you stumble about a little bit, but it is not yet here. And things are not yet plain. But, says Paul, live as though the daylight had come already anyway. Live honorably, wearing the full gear of Christ, not with rowdiness or screaming matches, but instead, get yourselves ready. Ready for the coming daylight. Well, I got myself ready for the coming daylight this morning. Each of us started today, as starts every day, with the story of getting up. Something wakes you. You may not even remember what. Maybe the furnace cutting off. The sudden silence is what pops you out of awake. Or the cat clawing at the door. Or an alarm. Well, in that case, you probably do remember what woke you up. And then you get ready. You're dragging butt because the day doesn't look terribly exciting. Maybe it's raining cats and dogs out like it was this morning. Advent is the season where we are fumbling for our glasses, shuffling around the house with a toothbrush in our mouth, leaning on the counter while the coffee gets ready. Advent is the season of Romans 13 where we know dawn is breaking, but we can't really fully see it yet. But we've got to get ready anyway. Baptism 
in this metaphor becomes that splash of water on our face, the toothbrush in our mouth, our morning hygiene, the cleansing ritual that that wakes us up, gets us going. We still live in the gray light of dawn. And although prophets and preachers have been sounding alarms on and off all morning, and we have made some moves towards getting up, a lot of us are still halfway in between, laying there trying to decide if we can just wait five more minutes before we have to... But that's not every morning, is it? There are rough mornings where we're really dragging our way out of bed. But that's not how everyone is every morning of their lives. And it's certainly not how children are on Christmas morning. Animated by excitement. Those presents under the tree, all of that excitement All of that pent-up frustration suddenly set to be released. So before any wrapping paper has even been touched, I tell you that the socks are on, the teeth are brushed, the house is animated, the candles are lit, the coffee is made. If not earlier, at least happier than it is on your standard gray morning in December. All of that anticipation of Advent flavors it what otherwise would be a rather hard and dreary passage, well, somewhat differently. You see, this question, why do children get excited on Christmas morning? Seems like a really stupid one at face value. Of course, they get excited because they're going to have snacks and presents and all sorts of wonderful things, songs and excitement. But what is it about snacks and presents that is so motivating? When I'm going to be getting something new, that's not the only time I find it easy to get out of bed. I also find it easy to get out of bed on Sunday mornings. I find it easy to get out of bed in times when I'm not necessarily filled with excitement, but I've got something important to do. Something is driving me to get up, throw off those warm blankets. Animated by responsibility. And that same responsibility, I believe, has a lot to do with why children are excited on a Sunday morning. You see, toys are something new to do. Toys are a new experience waiting to happen. Toys are a new power, a new capability. With great toys, I guess there comes some responsibility. And although our responsibility that may drive us out of bed isn't always novel and exciting... Nonetheless, there is a connection there between powering, empowering riches, blessings coming, and our willingness to stir our stumps and get out of bed. Whether those blessings are novel and exciting things on Christmas mornings, 
or just something that we really feel like we have got to get done. Matthew 24, 36 to 44 speaks about these coming blessings, but it does so in somewhat dire terms, speaking as Jesus is before the full coming of the kingdom. Jesus says, we don't know, you don't know. I don't know when it will be. Did you notice that? Jesus says, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son know the day and the hour, but only the Father. So if, in case you were wondering if Jesus was walking through life omniscient by being one with God, turns out, not according to Jesus. Two women will be grinding meal together. And one will be taken and one will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. When Jesus is telling you to get up and get out of bed, he does so by a little bit of a threat. Be ready. You don't know when it's going to happen. But when it does, half of the people are going to be gone. Now, be careful here. This is not the vision of the Left Behind series in which the righteous vanish from the earth and the earth is left behind for the wicked. Quite the contrary, in this passage in Matthew and elsewhere in Matthew's vision of how the kingdom will come, and this is not universal throughout the New Testament, but in Matthew's vision for how the kingdom will come, the world will turn upside down. And the wicked and the wealthy will perish, while the meek and the righteous inherit much, inherit the world. Be ready for that day, Jesus often reminds us, means be ready for resources, for responsibility, for fields you didn't plant, but which now need to be harvested because there's no one there to work on it. For houses that you will inhabit For a world without all of the old familiar systems of control and domination. A world ready, Jesus says, for you. Get ready to inherit the world. Is that what we are waiting for on Christmas? Are we, as Christians, really willing to imagine that indeed the meek will inherit the earth? Is that the present we're waiting to unwrap? Psalm 122 talks about how this coming kingdom the celebration of peace it brings and the security upon which it stands must be the prayer of each one of us. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. For Psalm 122, Jerusalem is a place, is a city, a firm citadel, a place where the people can retreat to to weather the attacks from bandits outside. 
But it is much more than that. This Christmas that we hope for as adults, as mature Christians, is more than just a safe place to live. A retreat where we can escape a world filled with chaos and destruction. The Jerusalem spoken of in Psalm 122 is also the beloved people of God. The saints and patriarchs and matriarchs of Israel, but also through the centuries, this passage and others in it, in the Old Testament, that speak to God's coming, that speak to our Christmas hope, to Christ come into this world, understand that that hope, the new Jerusalem, extends to a a global church a worldwide body of all those who follow Christ, though maybe some of them don't know it, throughout history, throughout the world. And also, Jerusalem is more than that. And in our Christmas hope, we find more the individual heart, the faithful soul, peace and rest within ourselves, That moment when you sing Silent Night and you actually believe it. And finally, Jerusalem is the city of God, the kingdom come. All of these drawn together and united in one perfect whole. So here we have the city of Jerusalem as a physical historical place. The people of God throughout time and across the world. The Christian soul, the individual heart given in devotion to peace. And finally, the kingdom come. All of these images stacked up on top of one another as we say, for the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you, O Jerusalem. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. What is our Christmas hope? I mean, of course, we're all hoping for a good time and maybe for a couple presents. But when we celebrate this season of Advent, we are looking towards Christ's coming. And our Christmas hope really is bound up in these four things. And in these four things, not remaining separate or individualized but drawn together as one shalom, one bundle of peace that God brings in to a warring world. This means that the fate of Jerusalem, the city, I believe is tied to the fate of my heart and the peace in my soul. Jerusalem is a place that currently is filled with conflict. And we should do as the psalm says and pray for it. Because I think that the day we have peace in that city will be a great day for peace all over the world. Will must be a part of God's coming peaceable kingdom. And likewise, as we look toward our hope in Christmas, we pray for peace within the church peace within individual hearts and minds, and God's coming global reign of peace.
That is a Christmas present. Very much worth unwrapping. One that I hope, at least, excites us almost as much as our children get excited about a new dart gun. That excitement won't be a pure or clean feeling necessarily in our hearts. As we talked about before, any anticipation, any excitement comes with its accompanying burden of frustration. And so we ask this morning, God, what are you waiting for? How long, O Lord, must we stay in this apparently endless dawn? It has been the daylight coming, but the daylight not quite here. Since Isaiah on up. And although we heed the wake-up calls, it can be hard to maintain our excitement in the face of our frustration. So recognize your frustration for what it is. A blessed indicator of your excitement. If you don't yearn for Christ, if you don't yearn for the kingdom, then you would not be feeling the frustration that you feel about the world as it is, about your heart the way it is, the church the way it is, our visions of the future the way they are. If these things didn't hurt you, then that would mean that indeed you are not looking forward to Christmas. But insofar as we anticipate and yearn for the Christmas present we've been promised, God's kingdom come, well, Advent's going to be a little bit of a time of frustration. That is right. It is what lets us sing the gospel songs. It is what lets us cry out, How long, O Lord? Getting up in the morning is a surprising amount of work. It is astonishing how difficult it can be. And yet how easy it is when you're excited. Every gift we give our children, they could see as a burden of responsibility. Ah, I've got to play with it. I've got to figure out how it works. I've got to learn how to share it, right? I've got to worry about it now. But they don't. They don't worry about the burden of those small responsibilities in the face of the excitement of getting to do something powerful and new. Christ's kingdom, although it has been spoken of by thousands of writers over thousands of pages, is still going to be something new, my friends. Don't worry. When we open that present on that blessed day, Christ's kingdom will not come to us in all the familiar ways that we expected. It will be new, I guarantee you. The Bible shows us the wrapping paper. We By our hearts, we know that what's inside the box is something good, something desirable, 
Something that brings with it responsibility, privileges, opportunities. A world recreated, families reformed, nations changed, on upside, turned upside down. But we really have no idea what's in the box. I thank heaven for that. Because it is the anticipation of novelty that separates giving a child a present on Christmas morning and giving them a rake because they need to go outside and get some work done. It is the anticipation of novelty that lifts our hearts when we think about the future God has planned for us. That makes us realize that all of this empowerment and opportunity that is promised will not be a heavy burden crushing us down. But rather that when this kingdom comes, it will be with a joyful song, with a light heart, with spring in our step, coffee in our hands, and the dawn in front of us.